Welcome to the Economic Development Matters podcast, brought to you by Edmonton Global, hosted by me, Brianna Morris, and my colleague, Sherry Baslama. Sherry and I work together at Edmonton Global, an economic development agency that represents 14 municipalities that make up the Edmonton metropolitan region. Home to 1.4 million people and generating $105 billion in GDP, our region is Canada's fifth largest economy, and we're just getting started. At Edmonton Global, our purpose is to transform and grow the economy of the Edmonton region. And we do that by attracting foreign direct investment and quality jobs. We also support our local businesses to expand internationally. On this podcast, we talk about economic development matters and why it matters. We discuss how we can best compete in the global marketplace and build a sustainable and prosperous economy to enhance the quality of life for the people in our communities. Today, our guest is Todd Babiak, CEO of Brand Tasmania. Todd, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks. What a, what a pleasure and delight. Thanks. Super. Can you start by telling us a little bit more about yourself? Well, I'm an Edmontonian. I grew up in and around Edmonton, moved around quite a bit. I worked in journalism for a while. I worked in television and some advertising. And, and then in around 2009, I left Edmonton and moved to France. And while in France, uh, I came up with this business idea. And a friend back in, in Edmonton had a similar idea. And we started a company called Story Engine, which in a roundabout fashion got us into place branding and economic development, Edmonton being an early client in that. And then I ended up doing it all over the place. and. It landed me in Tasmania somehow, which uh, if you're interested, I can tell you how I got here. Yes, please do. And for our listeners, tell us a little bit about Tasmania. It's an Australian state. And when I remember when they first phoned me about a job doing some work here as story as story engine, the first thing that came to mind was Mount Kilimanjaro mm. because I had mixed up Tasmania and Tanzania. <laughs> that's how little, that's how little I knew about it. Uh, but it's it's a really special place. It's uh, powered by 100% renewable electricity. Wow. It's net zero, uh, covered in mountains and eucalyptus forests. It's got really cute, bizarre Dr. Seuss animals all over the place. <laughs> I love and that. it has it has a really cool economy. A 97% small business, sort of an, a boutique artisanal sort of economy uh, with a few large players. Uh, you might have heard of Blunston Boots. They oh, my they favorite boots. <laughs> yeah, so very Tasmanian, high quality leather, good for walking anywhere. And, and so Blunston and there is a, a wave piercing catamaran that was invented here that you'll now see all over the world by a company called Incat and they're going electric and uh, some of the best mountain biking uh, that you can find anywhere in the world. So it's just a really interesting place economy and it's become kind of a tourist economy and interestingly a little parallel with Edmonton, very much an underdog place that people had overlooked and misunderstood for a long time and it found itself and being a part of that has been a, a real pleasure. That's very cool. I think, um, yeah, I think a number of us, when you think of Tasmania, on, only reference really was the Tasmanian devil that 
you know, people have heard of. So thank you for telling us a little bit more what Tasmania is like. Uh, I'd love to visit. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a beautiful place. You mentioned um, the company that you founded, Story Engine. I know one of the subsidiary subsidiaries is called Places Are People. And I noticed on that website, you talk a little bit about how you're skeptical about the word brand when it comes to place branding. Can you talk about what you mean by that? Well, I think people are confused and intimidated by the word brand. I bet among the three of us, if we were forced right now to write down our three minute definition, we'd have three different definitions. Expand that to all the people we have to work with all the time. It makes people feel like it's abstract, probably wasted money, something creative people do that doesn't impact on my actual business or my place or my organization. Mm -hmm. And so I think taking a step back into, uh, into story is what we tried to do instead. A brand for a lot of people is synonymous with logo, with colors, with uh, what is in the back of your website, the tagline you might use, the best place to live, work, and play, city of champions stuff. And when you get past that into why Edmonton, why Tasmania, what is it that can only happen here? Understanding that Edmonton's not for everyone. Who is it for? How can we build something really special? Understanding the unique culture we have here and make that an engine of economic, social, and cultural growth. That's much bigger than what people think of usually as the definition of a brand and certainly much bigger than what advertising agencies give us when we tell them, here's $350,000, give us a brand. Or even uh, what you know the big four consulting firms will often give us for the core strategy. So to us, uh, Sean Oler and I, when we started Story Engine, we thought there's this huge work to do to un unify effort in organizations, in places. And one easy, simple way to do that would be to create kind of a master story that we can all easily understand and, and get behind and act through. And uh, we try to do that as sort of a step before you hand anything to an ad agency or a tactical strategy. And that has helped us for sure. Sidestepping the traditional definitions of the word brand and making it a little easier, more human for people to understand and their place in it. It's been useful for me for sure. If I had to traditionally brand Tasmania, I don't know what I would have done. Mm -hmm. So how do you develop these stories? Well, in Edmonton, we came up with this idea. We were former journalists and we'd sort of ignored it thinking, well, the way we have to do this is do a consultation slash engagement process where you get people in a, in a room together with a facilitator and some church coffee and Nanaimo bars. And you use sticky notes to decide between innovation, resilience, diversity, and sustainability on a go forward basis. And we found it didn't work. Every, every place, every organization, every business, they're all saying the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is stuff we often learn in business school. You know, it's, it's what you graduate with your MBA. And we just got really worried. Everything is vanilla. Everything's the same. Everyone has the same strategic plan, the same mission, vision, values. It's just word soup. It means nothing. And no wonder everyone is skeptical and doesn't know what's happening. So what we did instead is we separated people out and we spent an hour with them in cafes or in their place of business or at a, even at a bar and uh, taped conversations, wrote down conversations and just asked people, why are you here? What do you feel can only happen here? What is uniquely of this place? 
or company, organization, whatever it may be, since we're talking about economic development, um, what is it that you feel is the pattern of success here in Edmonton? And what would break your heart if you had to leave? You're forced to move to Toronto, you're forced to move to Tasmania. When you close your eyes at night and think about what you miss most about Edmonton, what is it? And who are those people? And if you can, if you can see yourself in that pattern of success, what would that look like for you? And when you get to example after example after example after example, you start to see a pattern emerge. And there is a reason why people choose Edmonton. There's a reason why people love Edmonton, why they stay. And what we tried to do is boil that down. And you can't do it in five interviews or 10 interviews. You have to do it in, I think for Edmonton, we did about 130. And for Tasmania, we did about 430, 440. So you start to really see something. And that process itself is fun because people don't usually get a chance to do that. You know, we called the initial blog where we started talking about Edmonton Magpie Town because it was a nice metaphor for Edmonton in that you walk past this beautiful thing every day, but you don't notice its beauty. You don't see what's so special about it. An outsider looks at a magpie and says, wow, what a beautiful bird. Yeah, All those different colors. And they're so clearly so smart and so hardy, you know, living. It's the middle of February and this bird's bouncing around. And you can see that they're talking to one another. What a special, magnificent creature in Edmontonians. That's a shit bird. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... Those are the birds that are waking me up at 4.30 in the morning, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. So there's, and magpies, you love it, you hate it. Edmonton, you love it, you hate it. So I think there was something really interesting when we were listening to people talk honestly and authentically about their own Edmonton story. We were able to bind together into something we just saw as, hey, there's there's a pattern here, there's a plot, there's a way to tell this story. So magpies was something that kind of rose to the surface. Were there other themes that emerged when you were talking to people from the Edmonton region? Oh, yeah, that wasn't so much a theme. It's just an easy metaphor. But uh, the theme that we saw really clear was when people talked about Edmonton success, they wouldn't really boast about the big world-class thing that got dropped on Edmonton from afar. It was, did you know about Stantec starting as a sole proprietorship one person in a little office uh, doing things in a different way and slowly growing into now being this this mega force company that is that is so humbly Edmonton yet everywhere. And when Stantec does it, Stantec and the community do it. There's a bit of Edmonton. It's everywhere around the world. Did you know that story? Did you know the story of the Fringe Festival? There's this thing in Edinburgh, and some Edmontonians thought, you know, we need something to happen in August. It's a bit dead in and around Old Strathcona. We have all this empty space why don't we take that idea from edinburgh but democratize it so anyone can put on a show and just make theater everywhere let's just try and see what happens and you can see the artistic entrepreneurship that comes alive with the fringe the edmonton invention of the fringe now becoming this this huge force across north america and i'm not even sure edmontonians understand that we were the first in north america set the pattern and and have launched so many theatrical careers and have built an edmonton theater force through that little festival. Do you know that story they would tell us or the story of running room or the story of Bioware? They all followed the same pattern. Uh, The story of the food bank, which uh, started in Edmonton. All of these things uh, were really interesting in the pattern of uh, urban barn building, I suppose. Uh, Cooperation, which is almost an agricultural small town thing, 
uh, where someone's going to come and help you, uh, as well as this uh, entrepreneurship. An idea can really get a lot of support in Edmonton from people in this kind of isolated place where you have to band together and help each other. And and then we would speak to Indigenous Edmontonians, and they would say, well, yeah, that's why that's why we've been here for thousands of years. That's why this bend in the river is special. Uh, the word pehonan is a word that we heard from Louis Cardinal and a few others saying people would come from all over the place to trade at this bend in the river. And there's something sacred and interesting and spiritual about that. And that's why they built the fort here. And that's why there's a city here. And that's why this place feels the way it does. And it was just so consistent. It was so clear to us. There was something about Edmonton that you just didn't find in other places in the same way. We did some interviews in Calgary just to see, is this zeitgeist or something special? And it was completely different from what we heard in Calgary. So that's, it gave us the confidence to, to start to build something. And I didn't know at the time how to do that. Uh, this was 2012, 2013. Uh, we were pretty comfortable working with banks and stuff, but we didn't really do this for, for a city or for a big metro area. So I uh, learned a lot through that process of working with Edmontonians. You're giving me goosebumps and I, yeah, I love it. So then get to explain place branding a little bit more then. So you did start then is that, and that's the term you use then for what you started to do, right? Place branding. What, how, yeah. How would you explain that? I mean, it's the core of economic development really, but if you're building a brand and whether you like it or not, you are, you want to explain what's different about you. It's super economic development, as you know, is super competitive. And I'm sure the folks at Edmonton Global spend a lot of time thinking about incentives and uh, cost structure and how we can get people to choose this place over other places. But we actually make emotional decisions. The balance sheet can look wonderful, but if you don't want to be in Edmonton, you don't want to be in Edmonton. And so place branding, in a sense, if you can stake out that space in our hearts and our minds, it can drive economic growth and help drive those decisions. And then we can lead to, and here's the economic picture that you might uh, be attracted to. And so for me, place branding, and this is actually since I moved here, I think that we're using uh, the phrase unifying cultural expression and strategy, because I, I do think culture is a really important word. Uh, the one thing that no other place has is Edmonton culture. And if you can encapsulate that and use that to drive uh, talent attraction, your export strategy, your investment attraction strategy, your student attraction strategy, and then to keep Edmontonians themselves, this is the most important part, driving community action so that it comes to life and feels real, then I think you have something. And that's what we've tried to build here in Tasmania. And we have legislation to guide us in that. So it's really easy. It's not like you have to be knocking on doors and trying to force people to do something that feels weird to them. Really? So like what kind of legislation like that, that people have to like participate or like what, what is that legislation? We're, we're basically a crown corporation and we're guided by the brand Tasmania act. And so it's, it's my job. I'm CEO. So it's my job to, uh, and I go to jail if this doesn't work, uh, but <laughs> to unify and to promote and protect the Tasmanian brand in tourism, in trade, in workforce attraction, as I said, investment, student attraction, and then for folks who live here. And uh, I think retaining people has become one of the most important things going not only in Australia, but I think in North America as well. So we have legislation that, that, um, that informs our work. Uh, I have, I report to the premier of the state. We have a board. So it's set up like a crown court in that way. That's all I mean is I can't just do what I feel like. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, 
can you talk a little bit about, about the successes that you're having with Brand Tasmania? Because I think you've, you've received some accolades for the work you've been doing there. Yeah, last year we won Place Brand of the Year from this really cool um, organization called City Nation Place that I think you two are, are maybe going to in, in November. And that is when I was with Story Engine and doing this work in different places, it was the big award that we would always want to win. Sadly, we won it and we had to only participate digitally. So that's a heartbreaker, but I'm going in November to, to present and stuff. So that's, that's been lovely. And we won a French version of that as well. And I think what people are understanding that's different about us is everyone who works in the realm you work in understands the biggest problem, the impossible, impossible mission of our work is the unification part so that people feel like I can take this and succeed with it. This glues me to everyone else. I understand why, even though I'm, I'm just a, an advanced manufacturing business, I understand that what I'm doing aligns perfectly with our, or with our tourism pitch. We're telling a similar story here because people, when they choose Tasmania, they're choosing that uh, perception of quality, that renewable electricity, that care for the environment. Uh, we're going to remove carbon from our balance sheet because we choose Tasmania, but also in a place where you have to work harder for everything because the distribution costs are so high. We know there's going to be high quality in this product product that aligns really nicely with the, with the tourism story. Uh, we have kind of a high end tourism product kind of a premium tourism product. Tasmania is not for everyone. It aligns with the uh, trade um, message and the talent attraction message. Sadly, right now, what we have to say from Tasmania is you might not make as much money and yeah, housing is kind of expensive, but the culture and lifestyle here, it's really special. You'll want to come, uh, the weather, the wilderness, what you're going to be able to do, the, the pace of life here is really different. And I think if we can package all that up, tie it to the university of Tasmania, which has just been named the number one university in the world for climate action, it starts to feel like, all right, there is something unified here and our job, almost like a client service organization within this community, government partners, business partners, artists, everyone in their own words, singing the same song. That's what I think I've been able to do here that I wasn't able to do in other places, uh, mostly because I made so many mistakes in other places. And as a consultant, I didn't understand how hard it was from the inside. Now I do. Mm, <laughs> uh, what? You know, the work, in, the work in Edmonton, for example, is a heartbreaker for me and other places as well. Uh, I got better and better over time, Story Engine did, and I think our strategies and our outputs became better and better, but you're still working with a client. You might be on retainer for a few months, and then you go away and you watch from afar. Oh, that's not what we, that's not what we wanted, and that's a consultant issue, but now I get to see why it's so hard. Mm. You said at the start of the episode that you could share how you ended up in Tasmania. So how did you go from Story Engine in France uh, yeah, how did you end up then doing this in, in Tasmania? So, yeah, so France to Edmonton and uh, doing this work in Edmonton really started with uh, ATB Financial was our, was our first client. And then we started to mess around a little bit with universities, which got us kind of closer to place branding. We started working with some companies in tech, mostly around fundraising. So we have a, another subsidiary called The Absolute Pitch. And just by fluke, by happenstance, the, the folks in Edmonton were thinking, we're, we're considering going to market and doing a rebrand. They'd done something a couple years ago, and the mayor at the time, Mayor Mandel, kind of threw it out. He didn't like it. And 
we pitched the city manager and the mayor knowing that they're going to go and hire an advertising agency on doing something a little bit different. They said no. <laughs> so we did it anyway. Uh, we just did it for, for free. Uh, we wanted to test our model. So we started doing this work for the city without the city having hired us. And once we had these interviews finished and this sort of story on a page, half page kind of paragraph, we went to the to Edmonton Economic Development Corporation and Brad Ferguson at the time was kind of up for trying something. So we just went for, went for it. And it seemed like an easy way to talk about it was make something Edmonton because of that entrepreneurship and then Edmontonness being about cooperation. And rather than because the city wasn't really interested in playing the city with a capital C at the time, uh, we launched it kind of as a community building enterprise through the economic development force and, and then made it action, did all kinds of things. And we thought, well, since this story is true, telling it isn't enough. We don't have a, an ad budget. What if we were to economically offer a way for people to bring this to life through action? And so Make Something Edmonton wasn't just a line. It was a community building exercise where people could online talk about your project to make Edmonton better and to do something really special in an Edmonton way, maybe it's a business even, and have an, a button. Do you want people to, to donate? Do you want people to help? Do you want people to come? Do you want people to participate, to offer up ideas? And we thought we'd maybe have 200 projects after a year or two. We ended up having over 2,000. People wow. did a lot of yeah. stuff and you know, lighting up, lighting up the high-level bridge and the, the wayfinding. A lot of things that are happening at Edmonton now came out of that and uh, a lot of young people who were just moving to Edmonton loved this idea of seeing it as an unfinished city that they could actually move and change and participate in and even lead. Make an impact, It was just a really, yeah, it was a really nice moment in Edmonton and that's all it was is a brand isn't, isn't just something you see on a, on a television commercial at all. It's action. It's the way you act. And uh, we really had a lot of fun. We had thousands of people participating in it. But the city of Edmonton at the time was just not interested in this. And so uh, you can start to see how, and I get it now, if the city, if the government doesn't take it on, it won't work. It won't happen. So no matter what, it sort of starts to, all right, well, what's next? Yeah, you kind of need uh, both the city and the, the, the population, like the average citizen as well. And I have to share yeah. actually a story because a friend of mine participated in Make Something Edmonton. And she actually had this idea that she wanted to be able to cross-country ski to an LRT station. And so she pitched that idea of having, you know, ski lockups at the Century Park LRT station and actually was successful. And it was just like such a, I, I remember hearing about it and being so excited that, you know, like you could actually make an impact and build something here. Yeah, it was really special. And actually what I really like is people used it to get the city to do things. So while the city didn't like this, they realized something's happening. And and I remember when uh, we had food trucks. So we had about six or seven food trucks in Edmonton. But you weren't allowed to actually move them. You had to get a license for one location because maybe it was the restaurant lobby saying, these things will put us out of business. Or it was just the city saying, this is dangerous. Who knows? And it was sort of a silly old law. And what people did is, uh, it was Mac Mail was one of them. He's still a, a real Edmonton booster. He basically said, I'd love to have a food truck festival, but you're not letting me. Uh, this is contrary to our brand. This is contrary to our story. We say it's all about make something Edmonton, but you're stopping me, city. How dare you? And so the city 
because we did have a spy in the mayor's office at the time who, who liked, liked this idea. She got sort of, okay, as a pilot, let's do it. Let's see what happens. And uh, they, they did allow food trucks to move. They did allow a festival. And Edmonton went from, yeah, like six or seven food trucks to over 100 food trucks really quickly. I think ATV Financial got involved. And, and I remember just a couple of years later, a French film crew came to Edmonton. I mean, because I could speak French, they asked to do an interview with me about it. And they said, this is the best food truck culture in North America. So, oh my God. If, and so that's what economic development, I really think that's what it is. When you get this right and you just turn it up, people will respond. And you don't have to do anything from on high. You sometimes just have to get the story right, the strategy right, and just open it and, and help people. And if that works, you can get something really special happening. Another one I think that led out of this, we tried at the time was, could Edmonton be the first city to have no parking minimum? So now that's finally happened. Things, things do you know, take a while. But yeah, I think having citizens feel like they can move, change the city, and then making that a pitch to others. And I think um, I'm watching with interest the Move to Alberta campaign that, that um, the previous or current premier was launching. And I think this could be a, that could be a part of the pitch for Alberta, which is it's not just a nice lifestyle and cheaper homes. Uh, Edmonton and Calgary have traded on being cheap for a long time. It's not enough. Uh, there's a there's a cultural thing there that that aspect of entrepreneurship cooperation and you can make a difference here, uh, clever young person. I think that's a really important part, at least of the Edmonton story we heard. And and sorry to answer your question, this worked well enough that when it was still popping, we won one of those awards. Uh, the best expression of place brand identity, it was called. We won this award in London, and then people started to find us through that. And so I ended up, and it happened at a time when we were kind of finished in Edmonton anyway. We had no work in Edmonton. So I ended up living for the next probably five or six years in a lot of airplanes. So we did work in the United States, a lot of work in the United States, in Europe, and Africa. And then Tasmania found us and called and said, would you like to come to Tasmania? And first it was for Greater Hobart, which is the big city here. And and then that, that worked out really nicely. That led to part two, which was, can you come and help us with the Tasmanian story? And so we did found out and did all these interviews. And then the third part was Tourism Tasmania calls and said, we think that story fits us really nicely. We've never tried to use culture as the driver for tourism. Could you test it? Come and do more interviews. So I did more, let a, let a team here. And after three times, I knew what I was in for with Tasmania. I really liked it. I thought the story here was really special. And when they happily took some of my consultant advice and launched this organization, they they said, would you like to consider being the startup CEO to get us going? And so I competed for that job, got it, and my family was up for an adventure. And I was probably sick of flying around six or seven months a year. And so, yeah, my first job job in many years, and I have really loved it. And it's been super hard. And, you know, talk about podcasts. We made a podcast trying to explain this impossible thing we're doing and how special it can be, not only in Tasmania, but anywhere in the world. And uh, yeah, I mean, one of the sad things that happened in Edmonton was people were so involved with City of Champions at the time that they thought it was, or some thought it was me trying to say City of Champions is stupid. I personally think it's stupid. Uh, not because <laughs> not because it's just about sports and a, and a bygone era, but because when people actually told the story of Edmonton, they weren't boastful. And mm. they made fun of City of Champions a lot. They, and people just said, we can't use it for anything. 
the university couldn't use it. Businesses couldn't use it. People made fun of it. There was, a, but there was a, a level of leadership in the city who came of age in the eighties. And they just basically said, you're not going to work in this town again for what you did to our sign to, to city of champions. And so, uh, it was a strange thing, but a great lesson in make sure heritage and those folks, you, you bring them along and you mm. honor them in some way. So that was just a youthful mistake of mine to sort of make fun of it on Twitter rather than <laughs> here's what the transition could look like. I think that the that, same thing here in Tasmania. I think that debate still hasn't been fully figured out in the Edmonton region. Oh. I, I still feel that people are arguing about whether City of Champions makes sense anymore. Hmm. What a cool career journey oh, well, though, I, Todd. Wow. Yeah, it's been really fun. I mean, the, the thing with in here, the version of City of Champions here is clean and green, but there's about 150 places around the world that use clean and green. And there are 18 cities in North America that use City of Champions. So that's the thing. If you're just going for unique, different, only here, it's a bit difficult to use these lines. And that's why uh, we tried to stay away from it uh, with Make Something Edmonton at the time. But yeah, this is, you're right. It's been so, I've been so lucky to be able to do this. Brianna for so long and to have all these adventures and, and meet people in completely different places. And that's what's unique is when you do this listening and you're looking for the story, every place is actually different. And then it's a completely different strategy each time to turn it into economic value. So yeah, it's just been wonderful. I've just been blessed to be able to do it. And Todd, where can uh, listeners go to find more of your work? Well, if listeners are interested in what I'm doing for work, uh, tasmanian.com.au, Tasmanian with an N, uh, is where you can find everything uh, that we've ever done. And then personally, my writing life and my life life is just toddbabiak.com, and I'm at Babiak on Twitter. Well, that was a fascinating conversation. What a great story and what an interesting career Todd has had. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I'm probably guilty of kind of, as soon as you say the word brand, I kind of just instantly think of the logo. Right. Uh, and I really like how he's saying, no, what's the story? What is it that makes you different? Because everybody is using the same words. We have talent. We are, you know, innovative. We are sustainable. World class, I think, is one of my like, pet <laughs> peeves when I hear that word. I'm, right, I'm cringing inside. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, no, he, he, he convicts. Uh, I think he's going to convict a lot of us economic development uh, people. Um, and, and yeah, how you get there, you like really do deep dives into people and what is it that you're going to miss about this place and, and thinking about that and has me thinking about that and stuff now too. And what, yeah, what makes Edmonton region unique? Yeah. And you know, when he talked about how it's humans making these decisions, right? So while, you know, there are, they are business decisions, there's humans behind them making those decisions. So being able to connect people to the stories of a region can be really powerful in moving the needle and getting people to choose, you know, the Edmonton region, for example. Yep, I agree. And I and I know Edmonton Global sometimes talks about, you know, is it the Edmonton region? Is it the Edmonton Metropolitan region? Edmonton, like Metro Edmonton? But I, at least we've moved on from capital region because to his point, there's a lot of capital regions in the world. There's a lot of capital cities. That's a wrap for today. Thank you for tuning in to the Economic Development Matters podcast brought to you by Edmonton Global. For more information about Edmonton Global or to get in touch, visit our website at edmontonglobal.ca. 
follow us on social media, on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. And don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. So you'll be among the first to know when a new episode drops. We hope you learned something new today about economic development matters and why it matters. Until next time, we're your hosts, Sherry and Brianna, signing off. Thank you.